your marriage. And uh, basically it's called from this day forward. And so we're making decisions each and every week to make these commitments. And so uh, if you're a first time guest with us today, let me kind of fill you in on where we've been, kind of what we've been doing. We've been working on marriage because, listen, I believe with all of my heart, with all my heart, that the devil wants to attack our marriages today. Y'all believe this, yes or no? Absolutely he does. And, and so for those of you that have been tracking with Revolution Church for quite some time, you notice at the beginning of the year we did a marriage series. This isn't the first one we did this year. How many of y'all remember this? Y'all remember the first one we did? All right, good. You're like, Pastor, uh, you started a marriage series again, and we just did this not that long ago. What's the deal? Well, I believe with all my heart that the devil's wanting to destroy the family. Because if he destroys the spouse connection... And he destroys us together. It, it affects all of our kids. It affects those around us. It affects not just our immediate family, but those outside of our immediate family. It affects our jobs. It affects our finances. It affects every area of our lives. So the devil is smart, and he preys on those that he can prey on. And listen, that's pretty much every single person in this room. Right? He's going after you, and he's going after you hard. You go, why are we not in sync? Why are we not connected? Well, it's because you are being attacked. And you're being attacked by the evil one himself. He does not want good to happen in your life. So as a pastor today, I go, listen, we've got to do whatever we can to speak louder, have a bigger volume on this issue, and communicate more when it comes to this idea of relationships. We have to do a better job. And so we brought it forward again. We've been talking about marriages and strengthening them. But we've also been talking about those who are dating or single and are hoping to one day be married. We're trying to lay good, firm foundation for those uh, to do it God's way. Because I'm telling you, church, if we do it God's way, He honors it. And I don't know about you, but, but there's like something to be said. When a person honors another person, that's one thing. But when God honors a person, that's a totally different thing. Y'all tracking? Y'all with me? That's exactly a totally different thing. So we want God to honor our relationships. In week one, uh, we made the first commitment. And, and I'm going to need you guys to participate and say them with me because that's how we get them stuck in our head. Okay? I want you to get it stuck in your mind. In the first week, we talked about how to seek God. On the count of three, we're going to say seek God. One, two, three. Seek God. Now, I'm going to tell you, first service, they blew it out of the water. They were so good. They sounded great. So you all going to have to track the whole service. No falling asleep, okay? Week number one, we said let's seek God, the one. Because, listen, the world tells you, you need to go find the one. And they're right. You do. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the one. He's the only. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No person gets to heaven without knowing him. He's the one. Okay? When we seek the one, we do that with our number two, our spouse. We do it together. So we seek the one with our two. Commitment number one is to seek God. The second week, we talked about how to fight fair. On the count of three, one, two, three. Fight fair. We fight fair. That was so good. Pretty good. Pretty good. We don't fight for victory. Listen, church. We don't fight for victory. We fight for restoration. Because, listen, if you fight for victory, you're going to leave that person laying in a pool of their own blood. And you're going to go, I won. And I'm going to look at you and go, no, you didn't. You didn't win at all because you're married to this person. You need to do life together. Not life in that regard where, hey, I got victory over you. That's not how that's supposed to work. So we fight for restoration. How do we restore our marriage? How do we get back on the same page? How do we fight fair? Week number three was last week, and it's, it's the, the one where we said we're just going to learn how to have fun. Okay, one, two, three. Have fun. How many of y'all had some fun this week, and you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, woo! I saw some dudes' hands. They went up real quick. Have fun. All right, let's talk about the three areas we talked about having fun. We said you need to have face-to-face -face fun. You need to have side-to-side -side fun. And the last one was what? Belly button to belly button fun. All right? It is a lot of 
lot of fun. I had a lot of fun this week. Um, and so today we're going to talk about how do we, we're going to shift gears, how do we stay pure, okay, because that's going to be a lot of fun learning that. And then uh, next week we're going to talk about how to never give up. So, in saying all that, I think you were a little flat on the way you said it to me, so I want it to resonate within our souls. You notice when I teach, I do a lot of repetition, and I do repetition because repetition works. And so let's try this together. We're going to do these five commitments. Say them loud, proud, with great volume. We will see God. We fight there. We Sounds good. That's exactly what we need to do. Today, though, I'm going to talk to you about how to stay pure. And I want to be honest with you and say this. This message is going to be completely different than every other message that we taught in this series. And I'm actually thoroughly surprised today at how much God wants you to hear this. That first service was, man, it was packed out too. It was cool to see all these people come. We ran out of worship guides to give you in the second service because of how many people came to the first service. And yet we're on this topic of staying pure. Now, I know what the message is about, and I know what God's Word says, and I know that it's going to get a little uncomfortable in the room. So I want to prepare you for the uncomfortable feeling that we all might have. But I also want to say this. God has you here on purpose and for a purpose. Like, I'm kind of shocked. I look around like, wow, God, you really want us to learn this. This is very important. This is valuable information. And so as we talk about it today, here's what I want you to do. I want to take five seconds. This is as quick as it is. You're going to say a five-second prayer that says, God... Whatever you want to say to me in this message, I'm listening. Let me say it again. You're going to say, God, whatever you want to say to me in this message, I'm listening. We're going to do it for five seconds. Ready? Go. You don't have to say it out loud, but you can. It's only cool. All right. Let me ask you a couple questions real quick as we talk about staying pure. How many of you have a goal to commit adultery when you get married one day? Or if you're married, you have a goal to commit adultery. Come on, put them up. Put them up. Don't be shy. Nobody be shy in the house of the Lord, all right? Nobody's raising their hands. How many of you plan on getting addicted to pornography? I'm talking about a horrible addiction to pornography that just ruins your marriage, ruins your relationship with your kids. I'm talking like they hate you and don't want to talk to you ever again. Anybody? Come on. Put them up. Put them up. Put them up. No, no. no. Okay. Uh, how about just an emotional affair? I'm going to have an emotional affair. I'm not going to get like go all the way, but I'm just going to kind of throw my emotions in this direction rather than where they should be in my marriage. And I'm just going to have an emotional affair. Anybody? No? Okay, interesting. Nobody's raising your hands to these things. Well, uh, let me show you with you some statistics that say this. 75% of people would do at least one or more of the things that I just mentioned in their marriage. 75% or more people. They would fall into those traps. And yet, when I surveyed out in the whole room, you know, people were doing great at doing the whole seek God, fight fair, stay pure, never give. You were great on that, but then when I went to that, you go like, I'm not raising my hand for that. That's not my goal. But more than 75% of people will do these things in their marriage. There's a disconnect somewhere. Hebrews 13.4 says this. Marriage should be honored by some people. <laughs> I saw heads that were down. They all looked up like, what? <laughs> Y'all help me out with this. Marriage should be honored by all. And then it goes on to say that the marriage bed should be kept what? The marriage bed should be kept pure. So poor. The marriage bed should be kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. The scripture says that purity matters to God and purity matters in your marriage. Now more than just talking about adultery today, 
I want to start there, but I'm going to ask you a different question. How many of you believe, and this is not a trick question, how many of you by a show of hands would say, I believe that adultery is always wrong. It's always wrong. Would you put your hands in there? Throw them up so I can see here. Everybody look around, look around, look around. Say adultery is always wrong. Okay, good. It's funny to me that the statistics tell us that 90% of Americans would say, yes, adultery is always wrong. That's 90%. Nine out of 10 people, yes, it's always wrong. However, a study was recently done that tells us this. More and more people are committing adultery now than ever before. In fact, from the year of 1998 to 2008, the study was done by the University of California. In just 10 years, it more than doubled the amount of people that, that have now committed adultery. So we've got 90% of people, 9 out of 10 people saying it's absolutely wrong to commit adultery, and yet the statistics are going whoop, more than double, and it's on the incline of people who will have an adulterous relationship. Why is that? It begs us to ask this question. Why is impurity increasing in marriage? Why is it increasing? And there's probably a lot of reasons why, but I want to share three very quick ones with you. Tell you why I think there's an increase in, in, in adultery and impurity in our marriage. Um, I can't tell you the number of couples uh, that, that have fallen into temptation because temptation is more today than there ever has been in the past. It is more accessible to us today. That's the first one because there's more temptations than in the past. The number of couples that will come into our office and say, can you give us marriage counseling? And we'll sit down with them and we'll begin to unravel and untwine some of the web that they've weaved. We, we begin to discover that social media has taken a large effect into the relationship. You know, one of the members of the relationship, they, they added such and such person as a friend on Facebook. And then all of a sudden, uh, they started having some conversation and they're DMing each other. And, and so all this stuff starts happening and it's not Facebook's fault, it's really our fault. Now we like to blame Facebook for some reason. Well, they just found me. No, no, no. Well, you accepted their friend request. And you engaged in conversation with them. And you stepped over this line and this line and this line. And yet we go, oh, well, there's nothing really happening. And I would argue to say that the devil has you right where he wants you. Because temptation is more prevalent today than ever before. There are entire websites designed to helping you cheat on your spouse. This is the world that we live in now. This is the culture that has become us. There's, there's websites called Totally Devoted where you can have an affair discreetly. You can go to Craigslist.com and you can get a spare tire. You can get a screwdriver and you can get a prostitute. Interesting how the world has changed, isn't it? The world is changing, and if we're not careful, and we don't set up safeguards in our life in this area of purity, it's going to destroy your life. And listen, I'm, I'm not so crazy to think that the devil isn't smart. Well, the devil's just dumb, and he's stupid, and he's ignorant, and he, you throw whatever at you. I don't think that at all. I think he's brilliant. I think he's a genius. I think he's so smart. He knows exactly where to attack you and I the most. He knows where to get at us. He's brilliant. And if we're not careful, that guy's going to outsmart us. We have to be on guard. The biggest game changer, in my opinion, for temptation might be the smartphones and iPads. I mean, think about it. Back in the old days, and some of y'all remember this, uh, in order to look at pornography, what did you have to do? You had to have a friend that had a dad that had, like, pornography stashed away hidden somewhere. And you had to talk your friend into going and stealing the stash of pornography. Then once he had it, you had to figure out how are we going to get this back to dad's stash before he catches us, right? This is the old way. How many of y'all remember the old school way? That's how you had to look at pornography, all right? First service was way more honest than you guys. <laughs> way, they're like, you know, all over the place. Listen, 
That's the old way to do it. Nowadays, let me just tell you, nowadays, everybody has a cell phone on them. It's right here at our fingertips. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you want to look at something that you shouldn't look at, it's right there at your fingertips. Now, that's an increasing problem if you're going to be a Christian. If you're going to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that in our marriage and in our lives, we're to be holy, which means that word holy means set apart. We're to be set apart from the rest of the world. Now listen, you can always go back to doing it your way. It's destroying your life. It's ruining your relationships. And, and that fatal blow is about to come probably in your marriage. It'll come right around the corner just like that. And it'll be the end of you and your spouse. If you don't take heed to what I'm saying to you out of God's word today, it's going to destroy your life, church. Now I know last week was a lot of fun. I told you this one was going to feel a little different. I'm so sorry, but it's so necessary. It's so necessary. Our culture is so going in the wrong direction. And you have a choice to either you know, go with the flow or swim upstream. And I want to encourage you to be one of those people who swims upstream. Because let me tell you, as hard as the struggle is to go, man, that's tough to do. When God honors a person, it's evident. You ever watch somebody or look at somebody's life and you go, man, God just honors them. Anybody know these people? You know these people? You look at their life and you go, just, God just he's on them somehow. Y'all don't know very many people. Y'all need to keep coming. Y'all need to get a small group. There are people like that in this church where God just honors them. He just honors them. He gives them favor and protection. And you look at it and go, wow, I want what they have. Well, if you want what these people have, you have to start doing what these people do. They don't go with the rest of the world. They do differently. And here's the thing. This little phone thing that we have, there's so many of you. You've got your kids. There's, there's kids in the kids' ministry. They're eight or nine years old. They have a better phone than your pastor does. There's something wrong with that. Alright? And what's even more crazy to me, and it's a side subject, but I'll just hit it real quick. Y'all don't even put a case on those phones for them. You got a nicer phone than I do with no case, and they're eight years old. What's wrong with you? Alright? Got major issues in this church. Why is impurity increasing? Well, there's more temptation. Number two, uh, second thought is people are getting married later. Seems like the world people are kind of holding off on marriage for later and later. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with necessarily getting married later, but let me just tell you the dynamics that it brings. When people are constantly getting married later and later, it means that they have more opportunity to date different people. <coughs> so the longer you're single, the more opportunity you had to uh, have a boyfriend or have a girlfriend. And the more that you do that, well, it seems to me like people that are unmarried typically seem to, for whatever reason, think they can just do married things. Well, we'll, we'll not, we're not married, but we're just going to act like we're married. And when you do that, what you end up doing is you end up having some sexual baggage that you bring into the relationship. And that sexual baggage, it haunts you because one thing leads to another, you know, kind of plays out like dating couples, uh, you know, oh, I love you, you're my pookie boo, and, and you're my sweetie pie, pumpkin sugar muffin, and you got all these names and this and that, and, and it's all lovey-dovey at first, and you're going to go here and you're going to go there, and all of a sudden uh, you start hanging out together every day, and you go, oh, you just stay the night. Just, it's too late for you to drive. I don't want you to get hurt. <laughs> I want them to get hurt, all right? Let them get hurt, all right? You just stay in that. You keep the toothbrush over here, and I got a toothbrush at your place. And, and I, you, you know, this is your drawer. You can just keep all your stuff in, in this drawer inside my little apartment here, whatever it may be. And what we do is, Judge Judy would say, we play house. And, and here's the sad thing about doing this. Uh, you know, one thing leads to another. The lights go off, and, and then we play naked gymnastics under the sheets. <laughs> the sad thing is this. We train ourselves. To get divorced in the future. Let me, let me just kind of think through it. You, you, you just tell me if I'm wrong. All right? you, you think through it with me. 
We date a person, we go, oh, you're the one. Now you're the 17th one. But today you're the one, right? You're my only one today. I love you. And then we do all this stuff, and you're staying over, and she's sleeping over, and this and that. And you're doing all these married things. Because listen, you've reserved nothing for the marriage bed. You've reserved nothing for the marriage covenant. You've just acted like you're married the whole time, and you think God's going to honor you. Now, here's what happens. When anything goes wrong in those relationships, here's what people do. They go, oh, I don't like the way you're talking to me, or I don't like the way you're treating me. I don't like the bump in the road that we've come across, so therefore, I'm just going to go find the next best thing. I'm done. Bye-bye. And, and, and so we set ourselves up, and we train ourselves to act like married people and then get divorced over and over and over again. When you live life that way, you will experience a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, and you will begin to put up massive walls that cause you, cause you issues of trust in your life. It'll be hard for you to trust people. It'll be hard for you to have an intimate relationship with your spouse when you've trained yourself. You've practiced how to get a divorce. What do you think is going to happen when you get married? Well, you hit a bump in the road. You don't like what that person says or you don't like the tone of voice that they have. And guess what? You're ready to hit the road. You've trained yourself. See, I don't know if you know this or not, but the number one reason that dating couples break up, the number one way dating couples break up is when you, one cheats on the other one. When one cheats on the other one. Our society is training people for unfaithfulness. We're training people for unfaithfulness. You build a life. Now listen, if you're single, you build a life of purity. You don't build a life of purity on a foundation of sin. You don't build a life of purity on a foundation of sin. I want you to write this down. The best way to prepare for a pure marriage tomorrow is to live a pure life today. It's the very best way. The best way to prepare for a pure marriage tomorrow is to live a pure life today. Now, I remember hearing this talk in my youth group. I was young, 15, 16, and I was doing my thing, and I thought to myself, okay, well, I'm, I'm not even married yet. So why is this guy, I'm, I'm like 15 and 16 years, why are you even telling me about this? And they're saying, stay pure. Do it God's way. Do it God's way. And I thought to myself, well, you know, I'm just going to have some fun. I'm going to do my own thing for now. And then when I get married, I'm going to get really serious. And can I tell you that didn't work? It doesn't work. And God can't bless it. And God can't honor it when it's that way. You have to stay holy. Prepare yourself for the future that you'd like to have. Prepare yourself. There's a third reason. People are impure because this. There's more temptation. People are getting married later. And then number three, there's a growing sense of entitlement. There's a growing sense of entitlement. Wouldn't you agree with me that our culture anymore, we all feel entitled? Come on now. Do you agree with this? Yes? Y'all agree? Hey, people all over the place. Yeah, listen. Oh, well, if I can't get what I want here, I'll just go over here and get it because I'm entitled. Or I deserve this. If I'm not getting in my marriage, I'll just go to this person at my workplace. If she's not meeting my needs, I'll just go find somebody that, that does meet my needs. Or I'm going to just go look at this on this computer screen and I'm not hurting anybody. I'm trying to make myself feel better. And we've got all this stuff that we justify. You know, if he's not meeting my emotional needs, then, uh, you know, God, oh, by the way, Pastor, God wants me to be happy. Don't try to twist God on me like I don't know what God's word says. Well, God wants me to be happy. And we serve the false God of happiness instead of obeying the scriptures. And church, we've got to come back to what God's word says. You know, we all feel justified. Paul said this. Paul said this in Ephesians 5, verse 3. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. 
There must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. Basically, what this scripture is saying is this. You shouldn't let any poison in your marriage. Period. There shouldn't be a hint of sexual immorality. Now, let me ask you. If I had a cup of water up here and a little piece of dust that kind of went into the glass and we all saw it because the lights are real cool and it like saw the little dust like flicker into it, I might still drink the water because it's just a piece of dust. But listen, if there was like asinine in my cup of water, I'm probably not going to drink my cup of water, am I? No, because it's poison. I know it's not good for me. I'm not talking about, hey, the mashed potatoes kind of scooted over into my chicken pot pie a little bit. So I can't eat this. I'm talking about the cat came over, squatted right over the top of your chicken pot pie. And I'm talking about cat diarrhea in your chicken pot pie. That's disgusting. Nobody's eating that chicken pot pie. And if you are, there's a prayer team that would love to pray for you. Not lying about that part either. Listen, we wouldn't be comfortable with a little bit. Listen, what if it was just a little bit of cat diarrhea? Scoot it over there a little bit. We'll just eat this side. Would you be okay with that? No! Absolutely not. Right? That's like this. The, listen, that illustration is gross, but it will make the point very well. You don't need cat diarrhea in your marriage. <laughs> Somebody's got to tweet that. You don't need cat diarrhea in your marriage. Pastor Randy, Revolution Church. It's Hilarious. Let's play a little game, all right? A little game. I like to have fun. It's been a serious talk. Let's play a game, all right? I'm going to give you a scenario. If there's just a hint of sexual immorality in the, in the description, I want you to say, yes, there is, or no, there's not. You say, yes, or no. Okay, everybody understand the rules? Say yes. Yes. All right, if you don't understand, just follow the crowd, all right? You'll fit in just fine. <laughs> If you're married and you have sex with your secretary or your babysitter or the cute guy who cleans the pool that has no shirt on and has a six-pack, is there a hint of sexual immorality there? The answer is yes. The easy ones are the first ones. All right, let's go to the next one. If you look at pornography while you're at work, while you're working out, or while you're barely working, is there a hint of sexual immorality there? The answer is yes. All right, if you lust after Angelina Jolie, or for the ladies in the room, Brad Pitt. Could there be a hint of sexual immorality there? Yes. yes. All right, you guys are pretty good at this game. If you dress provocatively, you know, check it all out. Praise the Lord for what he gave me, and you're showing a little bit more than maybe you should. Is there a hint of sexual immorality there? Yes. Yes, all right. If you go do some, uh, you know, hey, my spouse is out of town on a business trip. I'm just going to go to this club and just hang out. I'm not going to do anything with you. Maybe you just do a little bit of dancing with somebody, but you don't care about them. You know, you're never going to see him again. Is there a hint of sexual immorality there? Yes. You guys are so, you're better at this game than first service. I'm just telling you. First service is like, uh, I don't know. And I'm like, the answer, yes! How do you not know this, right? Uh, let's just throw in a couple more. Um, if you watch the movie Magic Mike with all your girlfriends, do you think there might be a hint of sexual immorality there? Yes.
You start texting somebody and get a little flirty with them. You didn't say anything inappropriate to them necessarily, but it could go both ways. Is there a hint of immorality there sexually? Yes. Y'all are awesome at this game. Now, why are we failing so hard at life? <laughs> I didn't do that in the first service. <laughs> they weren't as good at the game. Wow. Wow. We know the truth. We just don't live by the truth. The truth sets us free. Proverbs 5.8 says this. He's talking, Solomon is speaking about the adulterous woman. And here's what he says about the adulterous woman. He says, keep to a path far from her. Don't go near the door of her house. Don't even get close to her. You know what he's saying? He's saying, don't let there be a hint of sexual immorality around you, near you, among you, in your line of sight, in your ear hole. Don't let it go near you. Stay away from it. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says this. Paul says, I want you to flirt with sexual immorality. People, our heads are going up again. What? That's not what it says. It doesn't say flirt. It says flee. On the count of three, I want you to say it with me. One, two, three. Flee. Flee from sexual immorality. In other words, run, Horace, run. you got to make a decision that when you see that hint of sexual immorality, you throw that thing away quick. It's the equivalent to I'm eating my chicken pot pie. I look down and I see it right there on my plate. What do I do? I chuck it out the window. Because I'm, I'm not content with poison in my food. And I'm certainly not content with poison in my marriage. Amen? Amen. This is who we are. This is who God's called us to be. Now, people here in the room today, there's some people here going, well, you know, I'm not a Christian. I can do with my body whatever I want. And you know what? You're exactly right. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you just do whatever you want. That's your standard. But I'm going to tell you this. If you proclaim that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that word Christian in and of itself, that, that word, if you look it up in a dictionary, it means Christ follower. If you're going to say you're a follower of Jesus Christ, let me tell you what the Bible says about you. Jesus said it this way. He says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. That price that was paid for you was looked just like this on that cross. He bought you with his own blood. We remember through communion what he did for us, and we are thankful for that. We have that spirit of thankfulness, and we sing songs of praise to God, saying, God, we worship you because we know we're undeserving. But at the same time, God calls us to something more. He says, you've been bought with a price. <clears throat> Honor me with your body. Honor me. Flee from that sexual immorality. Jesus went on in the New Testament to say it like this. He said, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. And then he said, if your right arm causes you to sin, cut it off. Now here's what's interesting. If we really did this, you say, is, this, is he literally meaning this right now? I surely hope not because we'd have Pirate Sunday at Revolution Church next week. <laughs> Be a bunch of cyclops up in this place. You know, everybody has no limbs on them and no eye. Ah, Revolution Church, you know? <laughs> be a weird group. Y'all are a weird group, anyways, but it's alright. I'm weird. Here's what, here's what he's saying in the scripture. He's not telling us to actually cut our limbs off and actually gouge our eye out. He's saying this. He's saying, I want you to pay such close attention to this 
that you deal severely with anything that could cause you to sin. I want you to deal severely with it. In other words, it's not good enough just to come to church and hear the preacher talk about sin and go, yeah, preacher, you're right. Okay, next subject. That's not good enough. He said, when you know there's an issue, when there's something that I'm working on you about, I want you to not just hear it with your ears. I want it to penetrate your heart. And I want it to change you from the inside out because I called you as holy and set apart. Live life differently. Deal severely with this sin. Don't let it go by. It's not okay. You wouldn't drink the water, and you wouldn't eat the chicken pot pie, and why would you let this in your marriage? Deal severely with this. Now, severely is kind of a strong word, isn't it? Like, whenever I used to get in trouble, I used to pray that mom and dad wouldn't deal with me severely. Let them be in a good mood. Let them be so tired from the week that they had that they're just too exhausted to deal with me severely. I used to pray those prayers a lot. <laughs> I don't know about you, but we have to set safeguards in our life, boundaries. As a pastor, I especially have done this in my life, and it's served me very well. Now, some of you, when I tell you these safeguards, you go, oh, that's so dumb, and you don't need, you know, I don't need to be babysat like you do. You're going to have all that, and I'm going to say, good for you, man. Keep doing your thing. I'm just going to go. Because at the end of the day, me speaking truth into your life as your pastor means more to me than you agreeing with what I said. Me speaking, let me say it again. Me speaking truth into your life means more to me than you agreeing with what I said. Because at the end of the day, I want to lay my head down at night on that pillow. And I want to know that I did everything as a pastor that I could to help people find and follow Jesus with their life. What you do with your life is your life. But I'm going to tell you, there's some safeguards that I've set up that I honestly believe could serve you very well. Let me share some of them with you. First one is this. I'm never alone with a woman at any point in time by myself, just me and her, ever. Just don't do it. I don't do it. I don't do it. Why, Pat? Are you really that weak? Yes. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. A safeguard in my life. Well, I'm stronger than you. Good for you. That's you. You're an idiot. <laughs> you haven't figured it out yet. You ruin your life enough, you'll figure it out. See, I think that the reason people often say this to me, and this is such a compliment to me, and I'm not bringing it up to, to brag, so you've got to hear it in the right context. People will often say to me, Pastor, you are so young, and yet you're wise beyond your years. And I, I take that, and I receive that compliment. I'm thankful for it. It's encouragement to me. But I also know this. You know why I'm like that? Because I've done a lot of counseling in my life. Yeah, I'm young. But I've listened to a lot of stories, and I've heard of a lot of problems and a lot of issues. And it's shown me how poor and how bad life could be when you do things out of God's way. So the way I have knowledge is really through a lot of experience of listening to other, everybody else and going, I don't want that to be said of me. You know, I've had times in my life where I'll complain about something in my marriage or I'll think my marriage is bad in this way or that way. And then I'll just have to go do a little bit of marriage counseling with somebody in the church and then I'll come back and I'll go, I'm an idiot, Amy. We're doing great. Because <laughs> I've learned. But I deal severely with these things because this thing is an important area of my life. It's not worth ruining my marriage. It's not worth ruining my reputation. It's not worth ruining my character. 
It's not worth losing my job over sexual immorality. It's just not worth it. So I set this safeguard. I'm never alone with a member of the opposite sex by ourselves. I just don't do it. Listen, I'm not in a room by myself. I'm not traveling in the car for five minutes down the road by myself with this woman. I don't care who you are. It don't matter to me. Listen, I'll walk if I have to. I've walked before. You know what's funny is whenever you got somebody saying, hey, I'll give you a ride. And you go, no, I'm good. And you're walking. And they're like, dude, it's right. And they're like, yeah, I know. And they're, they're tracking right with you. And you're like, yeah, I know. It's like Rocky. They're just right there next to you talking to you the whole time. And you're like, no. And they don't know why. And you're like, I just can't get in the car with you. They think they've done something wrong. You're like, you're a great person. You didn't do anything wrong. I just can't get in the car with you. They don't understand it. Why? It's counterculture. It's not the way that the world thinks. But listen, if you're going to do something different than the rest of the world, you've got to do something different than the rest of the world. You want to be a world changer? You want to be a leader in your community? You want to be somebody who God gives his honor to? Because listen, there's a difference between Rob honoring me or Rita honoring me or Megan honoring me than there is between God honoring me. When God honors me, everybody around me knows. And you all see it. And I want that more than I want anything. God-honoring relationship. Another safeguard I set up is on my devices, all my devices, iPad, iPhone, computers. I have a system set up to where every click that I make sends a detailed report off to the people that are my accountability partners. I have two men that actually have the ability to fire me uh, that, that know every detail of any situation that I surf up on the web. They see everything. And that, listen, there's two of them because one of them can't take me down on their own. Two of them, right? Um, that was a joke, all right? Y'all can laugh and have a little bit of fun in the house. But at the end of the day, listen, you need an accountability partner. Now, there's some men in this room when I say that, that you need an accountability partner. You agree, but you go, I don't know who I would ask. You know why you don't know? And this is going to sting a little bit because we've come up here time and time again and said, get your butt in a rev group and you won't do it. You won't do it. So you sit here in a state of loneliness going, I just don't know who to call upon. I don't know who to ask. And it's your fault because you won't take steps. You see, the church as a whole, we have a system. We have a plan. We have a grid that we're trying to work everybody towards. And everything works hand in hand. When we say, got to get in growth track, man, that's the first step. Man, get your butt in growth track. When we say, hey, get in a small group where you can do life with other people. This is the kind of stuff we're talking about. You're struggling with pornography. You're struggling with addiction. You can't see how to get away from the sin. And you're not going to get out of it until you do some of the things that God has called us to do. Open up. Be a person that you can talk and have real communication. And let God do his work in your life through those things. But we tell you this and you go, oh, I don't really want that piece. I'll be okay without that. I'm busy. And you're busy messing up your life. You're busy messing up your life. So important. It goes all across the board when we say, listen, if you are a student or if you have a teenager, get them to emerge on Wednesdays. We're not just talking about like, hey, let's just promote for no reason. We're doing that to help students find and follow Jesus in a deeper, more meaningful way. They are going to face the same type of garbage that we're discussing today, and they're already facing it. And you're not helping them enough to get them in the environment that they can be in to really grow through it. Church, everything that we're presenting to you works hand in hand. Let me give you a short illustration to help seal this point. It's real important. How many of y'all love desserts? Throw them up. Come on. I know I get hands on that one. All right. I, I ate this dessert one time. It was a Coca-Cola cake. And I said, this is the best Coca-Cola cake I've ever had. Y'all do Coca-Cola cake? Y'all know what I'm talking about? 
right? I said, this is the best one I've ever eaten, ever. And I've eaten a lot of Coca-Cola cake in my life, all right? And I said, listen, this is the best one I've ever had. And this woman goes, you know what's in it? I said, Coca-Cola. And she goes, yeah, but there's more. And I said, what? She goes, there's mayonnaise in that. Oh. <laughs> How many of y'all ever had a dessert with mayonnaise in it? You had a dessert with mayonnaise in it. Look around, look around. See, I'm not the only crazy one. All right, there's some people. Listen, it was the, I said, whoa, 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 wait a second. I said, what, what'd you say was in this? And she goes, mayonnaise. And I said, no, I'm talking about my Coca-Cola cake. And she goes, mayonnaise. And I said, mayonnaise, that is the nastiest, grossest thing I've ever heard. So I said, what, what, give me the whole recipe. I want to know what's in this. She gave me the whole recipe. I'm looking through it. I'm seeing it. We went to bake it. I said, don't put the mayonnaise in it. I don't want the mayonnaise in it. So we did it without the mayonnaise. Guess what? That cake was not near the same as whenever she made it. Every time we make that cake now, there's mayonnaise in it. Got to be the mayonnaise in it. Why? Because every ingredient matters. What I'm talking to you about today, at this church, when we present life groups, when we present growth track, we present all these different opportunities for you to come. When I tell you, get involved in serving somewhere. It's not just because the church needs help. Okay, everybody, well, the church just needs help. No, this is going to change your life, sir. This is going to change your life, ma'am. You're going to get in. You're going to start living your life the way God called you to live. And it's every ingredient that you need, including the mayonnaise that you don't think you need, that's going to change your life. Church, are you alive this morning? Yes. This is the house of God. This is his word. I have an accountability partner. The babies are alive. We're not scared of them. I have an accountability partner. You say, Pastor, are you really that vulnerable? Absolutely. And so are you. So are you. Here's what I'm doing, though. I'm putting up the safeguards in areas of my life where I'm susceptible to sin. In the areas that I can control. You know the areas I can't control? When I'm driving down the street and I make a right turn and there's a girl running in her little shorts. I can't control that. So we talked about how to outwardly set up some boundaries. How to stay outwardly pure. Let's talk about how to stay inwardly pure. Because I would argue... The, the, the outward is just as important as the inward. The inward is probably more important than the outward, honestly. Let's talk about inward purity. Inward purity. David asks a question in Psalm 119. He says, how can a young man keep his way pure? Dude, I think that's a great question. And I'm sitting here going, how do we stay pure with all this happening around us? How can we stay pure? And then he answers the question. He says, there's temptations everywhere. He says, by living according to your word, O God. <clears throat> How can we stay pure? By living according to your word. Verse 10, he says this, I will seek you with all my heart. Don't let me stray from your commands. Then he says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Here's what I'm basically trying to tell you. You can outwardly set up all these safeguards, but you're never going to be able to conquer this demon in your life of purity. Just with outward purity has to be inward too. Because there's too many temptations in the world that are going to happen. I didn't know when I turned on this street, this girl is going to be sitting right there. When I went to the gym to work out, I didn't know this girl was going to be right in front of me doing this. I didn't know. I can't control all that. That's why what's inside my heart and who I am and the character that I have in Christ Jesus matters more than anything. Church, are you with me? Yes. This matters. This matters matters. We live according to God's word. We ask him to transform us. When we ask him this, he does. It's amazing. When we ask him to do it, he'll do it, church. But we don't ask. 
Therefore, we fall into sin. We fall into temptation. Listen, when we're living by the flesh, we're, we're acting by the flesh. But when we're calling on the Spirit, we're acting by the Spirit. But you've got to call on the Spirit first in order to have His transformational work in your heart. So, when you do this, here's what's interesting. The things that used to attract you now begin to repulse you. Why would I want to get near something that would hurt my relationship with God or could damage my marriage? That's the question. Why would I want to do this? That's cat poison. I ain't doing that. Let me just kind of break down something I see. We all kind of put a line of what we say we're not willing to do. Everybody has a line. I don't care who you are, how old you are, how young you are. Everybody has a line. We say, this is the line I'm willing to not go past. A lot of times when people get married, they do the vows, they stand in front of the preacher, they get the little marriage license, they've got their certificate somewhere. And, and then what happens is they're married and they go, okay, in this marriage, I promise to not have, have an adulterous relationship. I'm not going to commit adultery. And that's the line. I will not commit adultery. But can I argue that we cross over so many other lines just to get to that point? Like if that's the line, here's the lines that we do. I'm just going to flirt, 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 flirt. It's okay to flirt because I didn't commit adultery over here. I'm going to flirt. Mmm, I like that. She looks good. Lust, 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 lust. And we lust and we go, I didn't cross the line. I'm just lusting. Or fantasize, 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 fantasize. Some of us, we go home every day and we're reading all these books to fantasize. Fantasize, fantasize, fantasize. It's not okay. And I would argue that the line has been drawn in the wrong space. And we need to pick up the line and move it where it needs to go. We need to be praying the prayer that says this. God, protect my, my eyes, my ears, my feet, and my heart. This is the kind of prayers that we need to be praying. Here's what Jesus said about this whole thing about the heart. He says, if a man looks lustfully at a woman, he's already committed adultery in his heart. If a man just looks lustfully at a woman, he's already committed adultery in his heart. So what we have to do is we have to realize that our hearts matter. Now I know, guys, you're already zoned out because you're like, I don't like the whole inward heart talk. Listen, the heart matters. Because who you are deep down in your heart tells who you really are. Your character. My question to you is this. Who are you when no one's looking? Are you a man of honor? Or are you a scumbag? That wasn't Bible, but that was my words. <laughs> But I think it made a point. We need to make sure we keep impurity out of our marriage. That's the point today. There's three responses, though, that people give me whenever we have this kind of talk. Three responses. The first one is defensiveness. Second one is remorse. Third one is repentance. Let's talk about all three of them. First one, uh, defensiveness. Well, well, guys are just that way, Pastor. Come on, you know that. Well, it's, it's just not my fault. Well, she would do this, and I wouldn't be doing this. Well, if he would just meet my needs, well, we're only friends anyways, and it's none of his business. We, we do all this stuff. Well, he shouldn't have been checking around on my iPad, or he shouldn't have been going through my passwords on my phone. When you do any of that, all that is is a spirit of defensiveness. And I'm going to speak to you man-to-man, face-to-face, and I'm going to tell you this, that you need repentance in your life. Now, there ain't enough people walking around having these kind of conversations with each other. That's the problem. Again, we haven't connected into rev groups to allow that to happen, so I guess I just got to come from the platform and tell you. You need to hear that you're not above correction. 
I know we're all entitled. We all feel like nobody should be able to tell us what to do. And we live in America. Oh, don't even start that with me. Okay? The Word of God says this. There's a level of repentance that we realize that we've crossed the line. We come back to God and we say, God, I understand you've called me to be holy and I have not been holy. We come back to repentance. Another incorrect response is remorse. And a lot of people, remorse is, is kind of one of those things where, you know, I'm more sorry that I got caught than I am that I'm sorry. Or we try to turn it and go, oh, I'm just this bad person and nobody will ever like it, just to get some sympathy. We try to do all that instead of actually owning up to the mistakes that we make. And saying, you know what, I'm sorry. The third correct response is repentance. Where we come to a holy God and we realize in His presence, none of this can be true of us. In His presence. The only way you're going to get healing is if you make a decision. The decision starts today. From this day forward, you make a decision. I've been married for 12 years. I'm going to close out with this last thing. been married for 12 years to my wife, Amy. Love her to death. About year four or five, I broke her heart. Broke her heart. Did some crazy, stupid stuff. I've talked about it before. Some of you guys, uh, you haven't been at the church long enough. One day I'll share more of our story of, of really how I messed up in our marriage. I'll share more of that. You go, Pastor, you would do that? Absolutely. You just haven't been here long enough to, to be around the sinful pastor. I'm known as the sinful pastor. Come on now. Kind of what it is. I messed up. About year four or five, though, I remember... Um, I remember flipping through the TV channels, and I was clicking through, and Amy was in the bathroom kind of, I don't know what she was doing there, some girl thing in there, probably doing her hair or something, putting makeup on, and I'm clicking through the TV channels, and I'm clicking, there's hunting, and I'm clicking, there's, you know, this boating thing, and clicking, and there's this infomercial, I'm clicking, and there's some sports, and clicking, and there's these women in these bikinis, and I hesitated, and, and after a few seconds, okay, then I clicked. After a while, Amy came out and she goes, hey, you were on that one channel. Did, did you hesitate for a minute? And at first I got defensive. Well, this daggone remote wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> then I realized that's dumb. I said, yeah, I did hesitate. And she she kind of looked at me and I'm looking at her. I mean, we're, it's just that awkward moment. And I'm looking and she's looking and I go, what do you want to say? She goes, well, I just got a question. She said, was it worth it? And that question has stayed with me through every temptation that I face. Through every temptation that I face. Is it worth it? Through every double click or every double checkout, double look, I have to ask myself this question. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? And the answer inevitably is no. It's not worth it. It's not worth ruining my life, ruining my marriage. Ruining everything that I know and love. It's not worth it. Guys, look at me in the room. Listen, men, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you it's not worth it. Sin will always take you farther than you want to go and cost you more than you're willing to pay. It will always take you farther than you ever intended it to go. And it's going to cost you so much more than you're willing to pay. It's going to destroy your life. I can't make you change your life, but I can ask you to be willing to go to God with it. Be willing to have a real, real moment with God where you say, God, I want to change. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed at this time. We're going to just reflect on the things we've talked about today. Not a lot of people up moving around or anything like that. I just want you to think about some of the things we've said. Think about it. Because there's some people in the room today, there's some things that need to happen. As 
as we talk about, is it worth it? And the answer being no, the truth is there's some people that you've been maybe looking at some stuff that's inappropriate. And what I want to do today in the house of the Lord is I want us to come to God's house. Listen, this is God's place. This is where God resides. He is perfect. He is holy. And he's calling us to a standard of holiness. He's calling us to, to live a life that's different. You're here today and you go, I've looked at some stuff that's inappropriate and I know I shouldn't have. If that's you this morning, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to acknowledge it before God because I believe acknowledging it before God is the first step of healing. Throw your hands to the earth. See your hands here. See hands here. Who else? Come on, I'm looking at inappropriate stuff. I see your hands here. I see hands here. See hands up here. Hands on the front row. Second row. Second row. I see you. Hands over here. I see him. Who else? Come on, I'm looking at inappropriate stuff. I see you in the middle, ma'am. I see you on the second row here, ma'am. Who else? Looking at stuff I probably shouldn't be looking at. And I know there's not just probably a hint of sexual immorality. There's more than that. I see you. Raise your hand. See you all the way in the back, brother. I see you all the way in the back. Just put your hand up in the back there. I see your hands. see you on the second row here, brother. I see you. Again, when we lift our hand to God and we say, God, I'm acknowledging this sin before you. I see your hands here, teenagers. I see you guys. I see you guys. When we acknowledge that before God... We give God an opportunity to start a healing work in our hearts and to transform us from the inside out. There are some people here, you're flirting with danger. Let me explain what that means. When you're flirting with danger, it's kind of like this. You're not maybe saying all the things inappropriate that you could, but there's some conversations you're having, maybe with a member of the opposite sex that you know is probably inappropriate. You know that it's kind of the spurring up of some feelings that you really shouldn't be having in your life. If you're flirting with danger, Maybe through texting, through Facebook, through some other form, whatever it may be. I don't have to call it directly. You know what it is. If that's you, you say, man, I'm flirting with danger. This probably isn't good, and I need to make some correction steps here. Would you throw your hands in the air? I'm going to pray for you, too. I see hands going up over here, back here. Flirting with danger. I see you, man. I see you, sir. Who else? Throw it up. Take it right back down. I see you. Pray for you. The last one is this. You know you need safeguards. I see you, man. You know you need some safeguards in your life. You need to set yourself up for a different, a different path. You haven't done it. Listen, what are you waiting for, bro? What are you waiting for? There's so many apps and things that can help you. So many apps, and they're like eight bucks. And you've let that be the thing that stopped you from creating a safeguard in your life. Man, you need this so bad. If you know that's you, man, I, I need safeguards. I need better protection for myself so I don't fall into this temptation. If that's you, throw your hand in the air. I'm going to pray for you. Hands going up. Hands going up. I see you, man. I see you, good sir. I see you guys over there. I see you, brother. I see you. All this section over here. I see you guys over here on the far side. I see you, man, in the back. I see you guys. I'm going to pray for every person in this room. Sexual immorality is one of those sins that will knock us off our feet faster than anything else. It will ruin your life faster than anything else. I'm going to pray the prayer of prayers against this right now. But as I pray, I want you to give those burdens to God. Father God, in the name of Jesus, the name above all names, we come to you with this sin of sexual impurity. God, we've been immoral in this way. God, you've said flee from sexual immorality. Run from it, God. And we've not run from it. We've clung to it. God, I pray that you would just get this out of our hearts. Get this out of our minds. God, purify us as only you can. God, I love your scripture that says, when we come to you, you are faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I am so thankful for that, God. God, I pray for marriages today that need to be strengthened. God, I know that if we'll create these safeguards, they will be strengthened. 
God, I, I know that if we'll stop flirting with danger, God, our marriages will be strengthened. God, for those that are single, that are looking to be married one day, Lord, I pray that they would just put you first, that they would seek you right now, that, God, they'd build a foundation of purity that today would translate into a future marriage of purity. Let us honor the marriage covenant together. There are those of you in the room right now that you've never started a relationship with God. You're here in this church right now, and I want to give you an invite that can change your life. You're here today, and you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord, your leader, and your CEO, your boss of your life. If you've never done that, I'm going to lead you through what we call a commitment prayer. This is where you commit your life to Jesus, and you let Him take control of your life, and you begin to take step-by-step instruction on how to follow Him. At this church, we exist to help people find Jesus, and that's what we're going to help you do right now, find Him, but we also help you follow Him every step of the way. You don't have to figure like, man, I need to know the whole Bible in order to pray this prayer. No, 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 no. You just need to say, I just want to surrender my life to you, God. I want to follow you. Right here where you're seated today, I'm going to actually throw the words on the screen. If you want to pray this prayer, just repeat these words after me. Say this. Say, Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus for me. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Forgive me my sin. Forgive me for doing life my way. Show me your way. Fill me with your spirit. And guide me by your word. Make me who you created me to be. Amen. Church, let's celebrate. People, thank you for today.